Well, hello, Chris. Welcome back to Chronically Narnia. Thank you for joining me today and for finally coming home from work. Did I have a choice? I don't know, but I was alone all day and it was terrible. Happy quarantine. Happy quarantine. Yeah. Week three, four, I don't I know. I don't know. What day is it anymore? It's Saturday. I mean, I'm working again, so I kind of have to know what day it is. It's but Saturday. It is Saturday. It's my Friday. Welcome back to work. Thank you. All right, uh, so we're actually going to intro the podcast. Okay. <sighs> Hello! Thank you for joining us for Chronically Narnia, a podcast in which myself and my co-host read through the Chronicles of Narnia books and we talk about each individual chapter in a different episode because we have time to fill and it's a, you know, quarantine and stuff. My name is Kristen, also known as an Alsatian, and this is my co-host. A big velveted paw. A.K.A. Chris. Well, all right, Velvet. <laughs> <laughs> Had to throw that in there, you know. Oh, they, yeah. That was a fun word that was included in the chapter. Throwing, so. throwing that one out there for uh-huh. for the other Chris. Yeah. In case he ever listens to this, he won't, but, you know. Yeah, no. It's fine. That's what I thought about Joe, and then Joe listened to an episode. It was crazy. Crazy. Um, crazy stuff. I mean, just that one, because we talked about his kid in it. Uh-huh. <laughs> and his wife told on us. How could she? Anyway. So anyway. Alrighty, so we are here. We're talking about a book, a chapter. Yeah, no, just a part of a, just a small part of a book. Yeah. Uh, they call them chapters. It's at, in fact, one seventeenth of this book. You know what's a thing that I miss sometimes? What? Chapter titles. Chapter titles? Yeah. Yes, this is chapter 13. 12. 12. Chapter 12, Peter's First Battle. Yeah, I feel like a lot of modern fiction that I read does not have chapter titles anymore. Uh, the book I'm currently in the middle of, Children of Time, does have chapter titles, which I appreciate. And that is kind of, yeah, I feel like a lot of the fiction that I read nowadays that's written for adults doesn't have chapter titles. I don't miss them. I, I, especially like the way that these chapter titles are formatted is actually really distracting to me because it's like, okay, so I'm waiting for Peter's first battle. And so I'm just waiting for Peter's first battle. And yeah, no, it's not happening yet. And we finally get to the last paragraph of the chapter. It's like, oh, okay, there's Peter's first battle. And it's happened a lot in this book where the chapter titles have been like this one sort of side thing that happened in the chapter. Yeah, I mean, this is a major thing that happens. I do find it interesting that this the, the chapter title of this one has nothing to do with Aslan, even though, spoilers, this is the one where Aslan finally decides to show up and do something. The one where they meet Aslan. Crazy. Um, but no, I think chapter titles are a good reference point and they're a way to encapsulate a portion of the story and it's really really useful for going back and trying to find things in a book that you liked i don't know it, i like, feel like it's misdirection like when when you're trying to think of oh hey there is this really good passage or part of the book where did that happen well, it's see, much and- easier to go back to a chapter that has a title that has like something vaguely to do with what actually happens in the chapter go ahead i have <laughs> the opposite issue with this in that like i was certain that they got into this conflict with the wolf that Peter kills prior to meeting Aslan. So I was like, oh, they don't even get to meet Aslan in this chapter. They're, they're still not even... And then it's like, oh, yeah, they meet Aslan in this chapter. I wouldn't have they been do. able to find that. 
Anyway, so uh, enough of a cold opening sequence. Let's get into our summaries. One, I think we have a lot of a lot to discuss in this chapter. At least I do. You do. So uh, let's jump into it. Would you like me to read my summary first? Sure. Would you like to intro this section of the podcast, even though I pretty much already did? Hey, we do summaries. Figure it out. That's a thing we do. Uh, anyway, here is my five sentence summary of Peter's first battle. To clarify, we're taking five sentences, plucking them out of the context of the chapter, and re- and organizing them to try to tell the story of the chapter in the chapter's own words, just truncated. Here we go. They had been just as surprised as Edmund when they saw the winter vanishing and the whole wood passing in a few hours or so from January to May. In the very middle of this open hilltop was the stone table. Aslan stood in the center of a crowd of creatures who had grouped themselves round him in the shape of a half-moon. Then when he saw all the other creatures start forward and heard Aslan say with a wave of his paw, Back! Let the prince win his spurs! He did understand and set off running as hard as he could to the pavilion. A moment later he found that the monster lay dead, and he had drawn his sword out of it, and was straightening his back and rubbing the sweat off his face and out of his eyes. Okay. So you you talk about the, the, the spring, the table. They've mm-hmm. actually made it to the table. Mm-hmm. And then there's some kind of monster that Peter kills. Yeah. So someone kills. Sounds like it's Aslan yeah. in there, like, but you know. In a word, like spring, table... Aslan. That's three words. Peter. Four words. Important. Five words. Uh, battle. Six words. I feel like these are the, the you five You should start a sentence with in, in a word and then say six words while counting them off on your fingers. In a selection of words, the one word for so each point. So here's my <laughs> summary. In my summary, we're going to begin now. But they all knew that it was her spell which had produced the endless winter, and therefore they all knew when this magic spring began that something had gone wrong, and badly wrong with the witch's schemes. Please, Aslan, said Lucy, can anything be done to save Edmund? It's your sister, it is your sister's horn, said Aslan to Peter in a low voice, so low as to be almost a purr if it is not disrespectful to think of a lion purring. He was tugging and pulling, and the wolf seemed neither alive nor dead, and its bared teeth knocked against his forehead, and everything was blood and heat and hair. You have forgotten to clean your sword, said Aslan. Okay. I'm a little bit surprised that you don't have any sentences in common with me. I'm not. Okay. I'm not surprised. (laughs) Well, I mean, I... I expected you to use one of the two for getting to clean your sword sentences. I did expect that because we've had repeated lessons for young people in this uh, chapter, including don't close yourself into a wardrobe repeated about four times. Yes. And also in this chapter, um, remembering to clean your sword. Very important lesson to teach young children. Uh, Yeah, because... And so we're going to iterate it twice in the chapter. Yeah, I I couldn't write that down with a straight face. So... (laughs) 
we'll get to we'll get to that uh, the last the great great last line of this chapter. Anyway, there's a lot to go into here. Yeah. So let's. We let's... have Peter um, and Aslan talking about the coming kinghood. Uh, Aslan calls Peter a prince, and then you know makes him a knight. So mm. I feel like he's got this decreasing stature throughout the entire chapter. Uh huh. It's like, oh, future king, let the little prince earn his spurs. All right, you are now knighted, Sir Wolfsbane. Yeah. Uh, Spoilers. See, whenever I do this thing where I'm just like, oh, hey, there's things I want to hit in chronological order in the chapter, you jump to the last thing that happens in the chapter, like, all the time. Okay. You're, you're just like, this is this is the end. I feel like that if this is a, an issue that you have with me personally, we should talk about it all. This is bringing that personal touch into the podcast. I trying so hard to keep that straight face through that, and I could not do it. <laughs> uh-huh. Oh. Anyway. Also, our neighbors are doing some kind of noisy project in their yard, so if you hear uh, weird sounds in the background, I apologize, but I'm not going to try to edit them out, and I'm not going to try to record this later because I'm too tired and grumpy. And in like a little, hey, Chris, before we get into this chapter... How are you doing with the quarantine? Because today has been a rough day for me. Uh, I mean, I've been, I pretty much worked full time this week, so I've been doing okay. Yeah. I got outside and did labor. Yeah. Um, tired. I'm happy to be home at the end of the day. Yeah. So it's been helping. I've been really good all the last, I like all through all of this until today. Today was, today was the day where I was a mess. I was not okay. I, I still don't know if I fully recovered. I'm sorry. But, yeah. It's been a rough day. What's caused it to be a rough day for you? I don't know. Just emotions. I didn't sleep well last night, and it's been it's been a rough, rough quarantine day. Yeah. Well, it'll, it'll get better. Hopefully. Yeah. Well, you know. I mean. On that cheerful note. I'll Get back to here. what you were saying. Uh, so, I think there, there's something to be said here for imagery where... It's spring happening, and they realize the witch would no longer be able to use her sledge. And I wanted to stop there for a second and kind of dwell on this, where... I have, an, uh, I have a thing to talk about from earlier in the chapter, if you want oh, to talk yeah, chronologically. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. I go, mean, go if earlier. I can interrupt earlier. you four times. I thought, that was, I thought they were just talking about birds and flowers. Exactly. Go. They're talking about birds and flowers. Uh-huh. And I wanted to compare these kids' focus to Edmund's focus in the dawning of the spring. Where Edmund is just like, it's that flower and that flower and that flower and that flower and this tree and this tree and this tree and that flower. Uh huh. But these kids are like, it's this bird and this bird and there's that flower and this bird and <sighs> and there's an elm. I I think that it was just an interesting like shift in focus from just pure beauty to life. Uh huh. Or Edmund's always looking downward. Mm. And they're all looking yeah. up. That's the thing. Yeah. Possibilities. I, I like it. I like it. I don't know if there's that much nuance that was supposed to be written into the text, but... I like it, though. All right. That's fine. Now go ahead. I'll, uh, I'll not interrupt you this third attempt uh, that you're making at this. So there's a very literal uh, image here of the witch losing power and losing ability uh, right away. 
yeah, like the sledge. The you know she her one of the one of her big things is oh she's got the sledge and she can be here in fifteen minutes and she's super fast and she loses that and it's very you know directly saying you know this this is already causing the witch to lose power and influence and uh you know and her standing in the world menace uh huh like just by virtue of Aslan being here like he hasn't even done anything yet yeah. But just him being here causes her to diminish. Mm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, so. lo- I like that. It's a very, it's a very potent image when you think about mm-hmm. the authority that the witch has been wielding here. It's very. Uh, I mean, you could go further and say that it's. Uh, you know, the image is uh, her authority is very transient, and it's like it is the snow where it melts with the spring, and like that is. You know, this was a season that she had power, but yeah. it is very literally over. A literal and season. A literal and it's season. literally over. But what does that say about Aslan's power? Does that call Aslan's <sighs> power also transient? As it is, or is it more powerful because it has the authority to banish winter? Yeah. I mean, we can, we can get into some deep philosophy on that. I mean. Or not. That's, <laughs> that's fine, too. <laughs> Uh, so anyway, I wanted to pause there for a second. Uh, that's fun. And they get to the stone table. And I, I love the description of the stone table in this chapter. Okay. Uh, even though it's really, really hard for me to, like, not mentally go back to the stone table scene in the Dresden Files, whatever. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, the multiple stone table scenes. Yeah. But, well, like, with... <laughs> people dying. That's, yeah. All right. Uh-huh. Uh, anyway. Hard for me to mentally escape that and go to a different stone table. Yeah. But it's here, and I, I like the introduction of it, where it was a great grim slab of gray stone supported on four upright stones. It looked very old, and it was cut off all over with strange lines and figures that might be letters of an unknown language. They gave you a curious feeling when you looked at them. Like, this is very mystical and very, like, this is something ancient and something powerful, and yeah, it's, it's a very evocative image. Uh, that we have for the stone table here. Yeah. Can I point out something that, that did bother me when we do get to this introduction, or if if you're done with the stone table? Because yes. um, we'll see a lot more of the stone table later. Okay. Um, so we, we discover or stumble upon Aslan at the stone table with this, as you referenced, half moon of um, people around him. Yes. The tree women were there and well women, dryads and naiads as they used to be called in our world, mm-hmm. uh, who had stringed instruments. It was they who had made the music. At no point prior to this... Do they talk about music? Do they talk about hearing anything? They talk about lots of smells mm-hmm. and seeing lots of colorful flowers and things. like. But it's all about smells. I mean, they talk about the... The, the sweet smell of the hawthorn bushes that were almost overpowering in the end of the first paragraph. And so we have that kind of discussion, but then it's just like, oh yeah, like C.S. Lewis forgot that he hadn't talked about the music that he was maybe previously referencing. Um, anyway, that's all. I just thought that that was a little fun, you know. Error in editing, because I'm just a, a natural-born editor. At heart. Uh, so, yeah, that's that's a thing. 
I, th- I was really afraid there that you were going to go into another rant about noses when you brought up the smell thing. It's all <laughs> well, about smells. Well, now that you let's bring that up, let's talk about noses. <laughs> yeah, your favorite subject. Uh, no, I, I could have sworn there was mention of music, and so I was looking through and reading the back chapter again, but there is not. You are correct. Yeah, uh, yeah I am. <laughs> um, and so we have this, the, we see Aslan for the first time, and let's let's talk a little bit about how Aslan is introduced. Oh, yeah. Let's, uh, let's talk about the word terrible being used a whole lot. Yeah, so he is surrounded by folk and animals and things, and there's naiads and dryads, and we see them for the first time, and in my book... My copy has an illustration of this crowd surrounding Aslan, and everything is very anatomically detailed. Uh, (laughs) It's a a great image. Uh, We'll share it on the Instagram. We'll share it on the Instagram. I would like to point out that Aslan's face in this was done uh, not well. (laughs) Uh, He he definitely looks very put off. Yeah, he he does not look regal in any sense of the word whatsoever. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, but people who have not been to Narnia sometimes think a thing cannot be good and terrible at the same time. It's a great line. Let's compare and contrast a little bit, uh, because we are introduced to Aslan twice in this series, yes. uh, at least, so, so far. So this is technically the first time we would be introduced Te- to Aslan. Technically the first time. Uh, and I wanted to do a little comparison and contrast with the first time that we meet Aslan in The Magician's Nephew. Okay. Uh, so he, uh, that time, obviously comes in alone it is just him and this blank slate of a world he starts creating things and he's singing and he is singing and here at least in the beginning he is silent and he is surrounded by other creatures he has an entourage or a posse if you will yeah uh which is how the kids in the magician's nephew when they finally do approach aslan Mm -hmm. is exactly the setting in which they meet aslan he is with his council that he has pulled aside but now he has leopards Yes. He has leopards. They're ones carrying his crown and ones carrying his standard. Yes. This... And there's unicorns and there's um, uh, a great dog and an eagle. Mm-hmm. And um, I was trying to get any kind of meaning out of like the types of creatures or like the number of creatures or something that is introduced here, but there's not there's not really anything there. I was really hoping that like the you know the enumerated number of creatures was going to be like twelve and that was going to be like a reference to the apostles, but it's actually thirteen. So. Yeah, but there were also 13 apostles because you have to talk about the one that replaced Judas. I suppose so. And it's very commonly held that there were 13 apostles. Well, there you go. There's 13 enumerated things, even though there are more than 13 animals there. Um, Okay. uh, But which one is the betrayer? I bet it's the bull man-faced thing. Um, Um, Wow. uh, (laughs) That's racist. Um, (laughs) Yes, I am racist against bull men. Well, bring it down what about property the values. four great centaurs? <laughs> Other than like a unicorn and a bull with the head of a man and mm-hmm. a pelican um, and an eagle and a great dog. I wonder if these are in some way like um, like symbols and creatures that are like on like the standards or the banners or the shields or house crests. Crests mm-hmm. are these... Are these creatures that are commonly found on crests? Because, like, I know lions are, and some of these different birds. Um, I would say and dog, but like naiads and dryads, I'd say probably not. Are unicorns and pelicans commonly found? Like, I know Unicorn. pelicans are occasionally unicorns. Yes. Okay, so these are all crest creatures? Question mark. 
I mean, I've never seen a crest with a dryad on it. I've uh, never seen that... one with a centaur on it. But, yeah. you know, these are also <laughs> the creatures that we know of in Narnia that are humanoid. Yes. And then also a bunch of ones that are symbolically found in various different family crests. Yes. Question mark. Asking if this is something you think might be accurate. Yeah, I mean, that's worth looking into. Like, I, I don't want to, I, I didn't want to do the research to look into, like, what each of these animals were symbolically like I did with the flowers, because there are just too many, and we have limited time to do this podcast. Um, oh, sure. Someone wants to eat dinner. I, Jeez. It, it would be nice. How uh, much time do we have before you get hangry? <laughs> I don't know. So, great and terrible at the same time. Good and, and terrible. they have this argument about who has to approach him first because nobody actually, they came all this way to see the wizard, the wonderful wizard of Oz, and nobody <laughs> wants to go up to him. Yep. They're, uh, it's, yeah. Um, they have this back and forth where the kid, like Mr. Beaver is like, well, go on. And Peter's like, no, you first. And he's like, no, sons of Adam before animals. And Susan, what about you? Ladies first. No, you're the eldest. Yeah. And then basically Peter... Then at last, Peter realized that it was up to him. Yep. <laughs> I mean, like... And he does something that might be construed as dumb and draws his sword and raises it to the salute. Uh, I mean, I know Aslan's supposed to be wise and all vaguely all-knowing and all this, but, like, hey, we're strangers from Earth that have come up to, to introduce ourselves. First thing I'm doing, pulling my sword out. Like, that's bad optics right there. He also, you look- know, <laughs> isn't really, like, familiar with the sword yeah. I mean, <laughs> we're gonna have to teach him to clean his sword which is a, one of the obvious things that you do with your sword so clearly yeah he just doesn't know what to do with it he's just like i got a thing yeah aslan check out what santa gave me yeah i mean it's a, it's a learning process like swords i don't know what, i think what, that <laughs> it's an honorable thing i think that it's very much uh recognizing the kinghood yeah to salute him i don't i don't think that it's Something that could be, I mean, like, yes, there's potential for it to be construed in another way, but we also come from a culture that doesn't have a royalty and mm -hmm. doesn't have this kind of, like, you and I don't have a king or queen that we have any kind of familiarity with the decorum of interacting with. Yes. You know what? If it was socially acceptable for me to wear a sword out in public all the time, I absolutely would. And Mm -hmm. I would learn all the etiquette, uh, you know. Maybe someday we'll get there as a society once, you know, our current civilization completely collapses. Yep. Uh, do the coronavirus. Maybe some way we'll get, <laughs> someday we'll get that far advanced that you can carry a sword yeah. again. Yes. <laughs> um, so anyway. It would be a good way to get social distancing enforced. Just sure. carry a sword. Be like, stay away. Mm-hmm. You could do that. So anyway, we, uh, Aslan already knows their names, obviously. And then we have the first thing that Aslan says in this book, and the first thing that Aslan says ever in this series. Uh-huh. Welcome, Peter, son of Adam, said Aslan. Full stop. First thing he says, welcome, Peter. Peter's got to feel pretty important at this point. Well, that's, um, I mean, like, Peter was the one who actually talked to him, so yeah. he's responding to the one who talked to him. Uh, welcome, Susan and Lucy, daughters of Eve. Welcome He-Beaver and She-Beaver, and it's really disappointing at this stage in the story. To discover that they still don't actually have names. That two of the best characters, well, She-Beaver's whatever. Mr. Beaver, one of the best characters. Excuse me. You were really excited about her wanting to bring her sewing machine along. So stop acting like she is not one of the best characters (laughs) 
in this book. So two of the best characters in the series don't have names. And I'm just like, are there other beavers in this on this planet? Because like this is just he beaver and she beaver capitalized. Yeah. How it, do you refer to other beavers? I mean, as it as <laughs> true. Good question. Also, <laughs> since Mrs. Beaver is referred to as she beaver and Mrs. Beaver, is she a named female character? Is she applicable for any Bechdel test testing <laughs> that we have might subject this book to at some point? Um I don't want to go back through and do that, but <laughs> she I mean she's no what I'm saying is yeah. her name is Mrs. Beaver. She's referred to as She Beaver and yeah. Mrs. Beaver. I guess she's named. Is I... she a named character? I suppose so. You suppose so. Uh what else? And then Aslan is just like, where's the fourth? Aslan already knows there should be a fourth one there because he's apparently familiar with this folksy prophecy. He summoned the four of them. That mm-hmm. he he knew they were there already. Yeah. He called them to Narnia. Yes. And one at a time though. Just I mean, we had to get Lucy in there first and not let any of the other kids know that it existed, but he still needed them all to get there. Yeah. Is this a rhetorical question? Is Aslan being like, where's the fourth out of no, genuine ignorance? Or is it, it, it... Is, it is giving them the opportunity to share mm-hmm. what has happened. Mm-hmm. I mean, they need to reflect on it as much as anyone else. Uh-huh. And they need to share what's happened. And, you know, Mr. Beaver jumps in and is just like, he betrayed them. And Peter is like, it was partly my fault because he was mad at me. Yeah. Now... Sorry, because I was mad at him, mm-hmm. and I think that helped him to go wrong. He had already met the witch before he was angry with Peter. Like, yeah, I mean, he was no angrier with. Eh. <laughs> yeah, I mean, at this point, like when he met the witch and like wanted chocolate truffle tr- Turkish delight, Turkish, yeah. tur- <laughs> Turkish delight, Turkish delight. Uh, when he wanted the sweet shit, uh, when he wanted, <laughs> when he wanted the sweets. I can't. I'll try it one more time. So when he got to Narnia and Edmund met the witch and got the Turkish delights, he had not had the little tiff with Peter yet about him being rude to to Lucy because it was after that uh-huh. that he became rude to Lucy. So like his decision to betray them started with him choosing to disappoint lucy yeah that sentence i liked so much yeah um sorry was was lost in thought trying to figure out where i was going with that uh but yeah it's peter being all self-sacrificing and noble and and i mean whatnot and he's trying to be you know the the it's him saying i was too hard on my brother who is a jerk and has done rude things and had already done bad things yeah and I'm just going to fall on my sword here and be like, well, it's Ha-ha. my fault that he... No. He does have a sword to fall it's on. It's immature, and it is not holding people responsible. But whatever, we're going to take it as a good thing. And then they're like, can anything be done to save Edmund? And Aslan's like, maybe. Susan has uh, never said anything be... to Aslan, by the way. Susan doesn't talk in this chapter yep. at all. Well, d- She just nearly faints. No, doesn't matter because they're about to get sent away. Yep. Uh, <laughs> yep, because the men need to talk. Yep. The men need to go see where Peter's going to be high king. Before we go to that, I do want to take a quick aside to say, you know, this isn't really a research minute, but there is 
uh, the use of velvet as a verb in this chapter, which I had never encountered before, but oh, yes. is like a very antiquated like thing. If you go look this up uh, on wiktionary.com, velvet has a bunch of uses as a noun. I want to take as a, a verb as well as a verb. This is the last usage of velvet as anything in the entry. Like this is a very uncommon expression. Uh, uh, well, I see the last usage I found of velvet in the definition I was reading had to do with like taking the the soft thing off of reindeer's antlers. Yeah. So there, there's also velvet as an adjective, and yeah, of, of a cat's claws to retract. Though I do also want to share this this fun fact uh, in the Wiktionary page for velvet. Okay, can you actually read the one that is relevant to this? Because you just skimmed over. I, I said that. I didn't hear it. Verb to retract of a cat's claws okay, to retract. That I did see yes. when I asked Alexa to tell me the definitions of velvet, and she stopped at the antler thing. She did not get as far as cat's claws being retracted. Oh, yeah, that's This is down. not a word that I was familiar with in this way. And even when I asked Alexa to explain it to me, she failed me. Well, Alexa's not good at a, a lot of things. The little robot <laughs> failed me. This is why you don't want a Roomba. Anyway. No, because Roombas are just scary. <laughs> Animate robots are scary. <laughs> so, anywho, uh, this, was, uh, this was a fun fact that I found on the Wiktionary page. The third usage of velvet as a noun, and in parentheses, it does say rare, a female chinchilla. Aww. So like chinchillas, they're cute and soft and velvety. Uh, there you go. Apparently a female chinchilla rarely is referred to as... Why didn't you as... introduce yourself just as velvet? So I wanted to make it more relevant to the chapter. Okay. I like to use nouns from the chapter at large. Anyway, we we have a lot of stuff to talk about yeah, still, we and we're do. running out of time. Yeah, we are. So we send. I'm the hungry. Daughters of Eve get sent away, and apparently the, the ladies are taking the daughters to minister to them, whatever that means. Uh, yep. Get him out of here. Uh, and now I feel like <laughs> these pavilions are like a camp, mm -hmm. and that he's not sending them like away from the camp. He's sending them into the camp. Mm -hmm. Which makes what happens next very confusing. Mm -hmm. Okay, so. And then he takes Peter and is like, hey, come and see this kingdom. Simba, all that the all light touches. All that the light touches. <laughs> exactly what I was going to say. That's exactly where I was going with that. All that the light touches. Yes, yes, That's yes. That's going to be your kingdom. Uh, and we point out Care Paravel for the, you know, the second and time. And it looks like a star. Looks like a star. Uh, Have we looked up any um, Turkish definitions of care paravel? Uh, I mean, no. Care care is an old English expression for a castle or fort of some kind. Care something is a title that a lot of things have. Okay. Uh, paravel, I'm not sure if that means anything. I would like you to do a research minute on that, but not today. You'll okay. look at it next time. We'll back after that next time because we're running low on time. They're going to be there later anyway. Anyway, and and then we have this exaltation where the Aslan is like, "This is you know your inheritance, and this is Care Paravel." He, by the way, he starts this saying that O oh man, just letter O oh man, and I was like, briefly considering whether or not that was going to be like a new name for Peter. He's going to be O oh man from here on oh, out. Oh <laughs> man, he's uh, the O oh man. <laughs> always cleans his sword. Anyway, so we have Care Paravel. He's like, you're going to be high king over all the rest because you're the oldest, not because you're male. Well, he's you're... Peter the Magnificent. He is the Magnificent. It's totally because he's the oldest. 
Yep. Yep. That has nothing to do with his genitalia. Uh-huh. And then <laughs> they hear a horn. And we remember that Lucy, or not Lucy, Susan got a horn. Yep. This is all of the noise that Susan makes in this entire chapter. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that's accurate. Uh, We find out it's Susan's horn. Kind of like the naiads and dryads where they were making music that none of us could hear because the author didn't say anything about it. Which I forgot why she was supposed to blow that. Help would come. Yeah. I think. Okay. That's that's what Santa (laughs) said. And Help I, will come, I and, think. And one might think going into that, that's supposed to be some sort of mystical thing. No, you just blow it and Peter's like, oh yeah, that's that horn she got. And goes No, and, Aslan's like, that's your <laughs> sister's horn. And Peter's like, I don't understand. Uh-huh. <laughs> and we convince Peter to go help. Uh, he realizes. But Aslan's, everybody's rushing to help. And Aslan's like, no, no, no. I want to see how this plays out. He's like, wait, hang on, hang on, hang on, guys. Let the, let let the, the young prince earn his spurs. Yeah, let, let the kid go do it. Maybe he gets killed by a wolf, you know, then you can step in. But, <laughs> and I, I... The thing that... Okay, so, <laughs> when he gets there, Lucy's running away from the wolf, and the wolf is chasing Susan up a tree. Yeah. And so we have this moment where Susan is just like, not able to climb any higher because she's about to faint. And I was like, really? We have a literal fainting princess. I was like, this is so dumb. <laughs> but then I remembered, they have been, they, they, they ran away from the, 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 the dam, the burrow. Uh-huh. And in the middle of the night, like, bef- like at dinner time, ran to a hidey hole for the beavers. Had some brandy. Slept there. <laughs> And then got up in the morning, met Santa, and have been walking ever since. They've taken some breaks. Once they realized that the witch wasn't going to be able to catch up to them on her sledge, they started taking more breaks, but they have been walking all day. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, that makes sense that Susan is very tired and that trying to get away from a very suddenly attacking wolf and climbing up a tree is, is a situation that would put your body into a physical strain that you might pass out. Cool. Legit. Uh-huh. And Aslan is still willing to send Peter into this situation in the same condition. Uh-huh. Peter has been walking all day. He's got all of the same physical limitations. And he's just like, nah, let the kid earn his spurs. Like... Let him go. And then, like, it is basically like the wolf jumps on him, and it feels like from all the description that we get of one sentence of this fight, that it feels like the wolf just accidentally jumps onto Peter's sword. Because there's, there's, there's <laughs> it like, does sound that Peter way, swings it? his sword, like, and misses. and misses. Wolf's just like, come at me, bro. And that's it. Like, and then the wolf lunges at him after he, and if the wolf had failed to howl, the the narrator says, that he would have killed Peter. So it was the wolf's own hubris and, yeah, you know, to, his, to need to howl. His villain speech at the end. Well, maybe it was just his fear where he was just like, Rah! like, you try to attack me, I'm going to attack you back, was boy. That, was that a howl? Kristen does amazing animal impressions. We've we've brought this up during the elephant scene uh, in Magician's Nephew, but nope. really she does great, great. Nope, just only by listener request, Chris. Okay, well, if you, we'll get to that at the end of the episode. <laughs> um, so anyway, he accidentally kills the wolf. <laughs> was this a battle? I don't know. Yeah. Or or maybe Malgram saw a way out. He was just like done serving the queen. Here's a kid with a sword. I don't think that this just... was Malgram. Because there's another wolf present. I, this isn't Malgrim. See, but wolf is capitalized. Yeah. 
but so is he beaver and she beaver and so is dog but not eagle or pelican just to clarify when we talk about the creatures around aslan (laughs) we have unicorn bull headed man thing uh, bull with the head of a man sorry man headed bull thing pelican eagle all lowercase and then we have a great dog yes uppercase so we don't know it may just be that talking beasts are capitalized in which case why don't unicorns talk because that's Totally an oversight. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, I want to talk to a unicorn. I do. I, I, I can make that. I can't make that happen for you. Sorry. I can't make that promise. Um, anyway, so I was assuming this was Mogram, but you do again bring up an interesting point. It's, it's never not actually Mogram. Okay. I'm just going to tell you it's not Mogram. You're wrong. Okay. Been a while you since I've You were hoping it was Mogram. I was hoping. Well, he, he barely is able to kill a regular wolf then. How's he going to stand up to anything like actually... You know, I was going to stand up to the witch. Can we also talk about Peter's description of this wolf? What the scene that he stumbles upon. Okay. Uh-huh. Okay. So, we have Susan up here. And he saw Susan dash for a tree, swing up by herself, all, all of that. Followed by a huge gray beast. Mm-hmm. Peter thought it was a bear. It looked like an Alsatian, which is a German <laughs> shepherd. Uh-huh. It's a German shepherd. Uh-huh. Okay? So he's like, it looks like a bear or maybe a dog. <laughs> and then describes that he realized it, it, but it was far too big to be a dog. And then he realized that it was a wolf standing on its hind legs with its front paws against the tree. So he went from creature leaning against the tree, like on two legs with two legs up, Oh, it's a bear. Get that. Makes sense. Maybe it's a German shepherd, but it's too big for that. Like, what? <laughs> what? And then we're like, oh, settled. It's a wolf. Got it. Got it. It's a wolf. Because it's snapping at her foot. Too- anyway, I'm so- no, it really frustrated me because, it- <sighs> and I'm going to get into this right now. Right now. The anatomy of these creatures does not make any sense. <laughs> Like, it doesn't make sense. It looks like a bear, and it looks like a German shepherd, and oh, no, it's a wolf. Mm. And it's too big to be a German shepherd, but, like, most wolves are similar size to a German shepherd in our world, so what's going on here? But then we also have Aslan is going to take Peter's sword and smack him with it to knight him later. How does he do that? It doesn't say that he takes it in his mouth. And then, the, like, no, like, he. how does he knight Peter, with Peter's own sword, when he doesn't have hands, and he also talks when he smacks him with the sword. So, like, he's not got it in his mouth unless he's like, Hey, hey, Neil, rise up for Peter Wolfbane. Like, it uh, doesn't make sense. And then, in the artwork for the next chapter, because when I flip the We're page... No, no, no. Now. When I flip the page, it is the top image. It, yep. is, it is above the words chapter 13. We share artwork for once. There is a picture of the back view of the witch and Aslan. And Aslan is standing on his hind legs with his forepaws crossed behind his back. I don't think lions can do that. I don't think lions (laughs) can do that either. (laughs) And I'm really confused as to the anatomy that we're supposed to be envisioning for all of these critters. Because so far we've had beavers, Mm -hmm. fawns, and birds. And they have all fit within the standard 
anatomical structures that we understand for these critters until <laughs> this moment where he's confusing a bear with a wolf and, a, and an Alsatian mm-hmm. and also where Aslan is somehow using a sword to knight Peter and also, like, talking. I, I mean, Aslan has some... World-building failure. Let me throw this idea at you. Like, mag- Aslan's magical and He whatnot. doesn't have a magic hand. He's no, not but, casting no, no, rage hand. No, but bro, let me... Let me, let me throw no. this idea at you really quick. Just imagine, like, Aslan stands up and he reaches out his big velvety paw and, like, it shapeshifts into, like, a human hand real quick. And you guess that's big ha- big lion standing there with an itty-bitty human hand no. reaching out no. and grabbing the sword. No. Because <laughs> we also Sit had, on that image for a little bit. We also had the velveted claw, like, being put um, on Peter's shoulder earlier. Uh-huh. The lion shook his mane and clapped his paws together. This is also a description in the chapter. Can Previously, lions clap? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> like, can cats clap? No. Like, when people do little stupid TikTok videos with their cats waving their paws around, their sides are hitting. They're not clapping. Mm-hmm. I don't think cats... A- am I cats. done yet? No. <laughs> anyway, so we need to get through this. So, Peter accidentally kills a wolf. Uh... Or gets real lucky, or something like that. Then, you know, oh, Susan comes down from the tree. There's lots of kissing and, and crying and hugging and like, oh, wasn't that scary? Um, but in Narnia, no one thinks any worse of you for that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> Some places you go and you demonstrate love to your sister, they'll kind of snub their noses at you and be like, look at this guy. Yeah, you know, like Star well, Wars. <laughs> Some galaxies you go to, this is a faux pas. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but they, there's kissing and crying, uh, and then they have, now's your chance to find the witch, Rescue the Fourth Son of Adam. Now things really kick off. They're going to go after the other wolf before he gets to the witch. Uh, and then... Aslan is sending his group yeah, after that. His To posse. clarify, he's not sending Peter, who has been walking all day. Yeah. You know what, you say that, and at the same time, like, you, let's go back to, you know, Frodo and Sam in a better series, and, <laughs> mic drop, uh, well, I mean, let's let's talk about the hobbits for a second, who spend, like, two months walking across all of Middle-earth, and then still climb a mountain at the end of it. Mm-hmm. They've got like... shorter legs, less energy <laughs> exertion. Yeah. Next. <laughs> anyway, I mean, I guess Frodo gets carried through some of that. Because, you know, Frodo turns into a little punk. but So, so <laughs> we're not talking about that we're not. series. We, we will eventually. This is going to be on the, like, bingo card for this show. <laughs> Lord of the Rings reference. Chris brings Dang. up Lord of the Rings. Uh-huh. Uh, and then Peter gets knighted. Yep. After after we remember to clean our sword. Yes. You have forgotten to clean your sword. It is now Peter. Peter. It was true. Peter blushed when he looked at the bright blade and saw it all smeared with the wolf's hair and blood. <laughs> so you're, just, you're just tickled by this image of Peter being embarrassed. Yep. Um, um, anyway, and Peter Peter gets a new title. He's not only Peter the Magnificent, he is Peter Wolfsbane. Well, he's which not seems... Peter the Magnificent yet. Okay. 
But well, right now he is being rise up, Sir Peter Wolf's. Which apparently you can get knighted and get a title by killing a single wolf. Like, on accident, sort of. Like, I know wolves are endangered in America and I shouldn't kill one, but I kind of want to go kill one. Just, just, just to get know, the knighthood. Just to get knighthood. Like, yeah. it seems relatively easy. Yeah, can... <laughs> you know, save a princess that's also your sister. And um, Well, I don't have a sister, that's, I ended up, that's the first hurdle. darn, yeah. That'd be that'd be hard to pull off. All right. So, anything else that you want to talk about as we uh, never forget to wipe our swords? It's the last line in this chapter, and it's so dumb. It's just like the last thing Aslan says in the chapter he's introduced. And whatever happens, never forget to wipe your sword, which is like some kind of weird PSA that just that... as uh, you know, as as everyone knows, it's a bad idea to close the wardrobe door behind you. Yeah, I just I don't know. That was a weird choice of line to end the chapter on, like. Lewis is bad at ending chapters. He yep. really, really is. Yep. Yeah. Um, and at the beginning chapters, he does the middle stuff all right. Like, he doesn't know how to hook at the beginning of a chapter, and he doesn't know how to end them. He's just like, oh, these are thoughts. Oh, the middle's really good. I have plot going on here. And then uh, I guess I guess we'd never forget to wipe your sword. Yeah. Eh. Call it a day. All right. So. <laughs> I don't remember whether we do your ratings or we do the rewrites next. We do the rewrites okay. next. So let's go ahead and jump into our next segment uh, so we don't go super long. And this is a segment where we go through the chapter and pick out five more sentences. We use them to create our own storyline uh, out of the material that we have before us. Sometimes it works out. I'm really, really happy with mine this time around. All I... right, then we'll end with yours because okay. mine's terrible. Okay. And now the sun got low and the light got redder. And the shadows got longer, and the flowers began to think about closing. Then he saw Susan make a dash for a tree and swing herself up, followed by a huge gray beast. Then came a horrible, confused moment, like something in a nightmare. It was true. Susan had a slight blister on one heel. Okay, that's an interesting place to end it. Uh, I did almost use the the first sentence you used as the first sentence of my rewrite, and that's fun. I really liked that line. It was yeah. really, uh, it was, it was too good for this book. <laughs> it was a really good line. Uh, where, what were your thoughts? To think about closing. I I don't have any plan anymore. Like I've I've given up on the rewrite thing. Okay. It is a creative endeavor for me to create a scene, and that's it. Like. Okay. It is. It is the. It is like. Yeah, no. I, it's it, the amount of effort required in order to make these into a story that's actually so I can't do with the quarantine emotions <laughs> I'm having. I so you. I have no investment in these rewrites anymore. Uh, I, I, it'll come back so eventually. I, it just it's it's not like an anymore forever thing. It's just like a right now. I gotcha. Uh, so for mine, I actually have a title for this one. Uh, You've done that once before. Uh huh. That. Uh, the, because I was I, I was so proud of it. What I'm calling this is Peter's last battle. Okay. It's, it's playing around with the themes in the chapter. So here we go. It looked very old, and it was cut all over with strange lines and figures that might be the letters of an unknown language. Then at last Peter realized it was up to him. She and Peter felt pretty shaky when they met, and... I won't say there wasn't kissing and crying on both sides. But that made no difference to what he had to do. People who have not been in Narnia sometimes think that a thing cannot be good and terrible at the same time. 
That is really good. <laughs> that's a really, really good. I like that one a lot. I think Thank that you. that's my favorite. Thank you. I was proud of that one. That one's good. <laughs> it's good. It's powerful. Yeah. Um, anyway. So the thing that I like to do with these is go back and reflect on anything that has changed in our perspective about the chapter based on what we see in our rewrites. And I like what you've done in yours to make it a very transformative storytelling with the same, you know, images and things, but taking this last battle thing. Mm-hmm. And I like that mine has taken some of the um, whimsy and put it back <laughs> into the chapter. Mm-hmm. Where Easy we're like, enough. here's all of the things and Susan's hurt and she's got a blister. She's got a blister. <laughs> a slight blister on one heel. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's all. Like it. Cool. Anyway, so since we're we're getting toward the end of the podcast, let's go ahead and do our final segment uh, where we look at the chapter and rate it on a one to five star or other thing system. Just this is a thing that I like to do just to give an overall summary and kind of say, hey, I thought this was a decent chapter or not. So you're ranking this chapter on a scale of one to five uncapitalized mythical creatures. <sighs> okay. <clears throat> it's a long one, but I think I can do it. Okay. I was going to say blistered feet. Um, no, but there's only one in the chapter, so. <laughs> yeah. So one to five uncapitalized mythical creatures. I like this chapter a lot. Um, I think there's a lot of really good imagery. I think there's a lot of uh, really evocative things. I I think the way Aslan is introduced is good. Uh, it, it relies a lot on people's reactions to seeing Aslan, and I don't think Aslan carries a lot of weight as a character himself in this chapter. Yeah. Because he's basically just like, hey, how you doing? See that castle over there? You gonna be a king in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it's like, oh, hey, there's a wolf. You should go You should go kill that or something. And he seems very passive in this chapter where he's just kind of hanging out being like, he's managerial. Hey, look, at, look at that. Look at that. Look at that over there. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't really convey the same sense of majesty and wonder that we first see when uh, Aslan and the, magi- the magician's nephew, where he like comes into existence out of nowhere and creates a whole world. Like that's where he sings everything into existence. Yeah, yeah. it's like a much this. more majestic <laughs> presentation of Aslan as a first impression in Magician's Nephew over over uh, this one. Yeah, so this one Lion, like the like reading the Magician's Nephew mistake for many reasons. Uh, first but uh but no no just reading it's a mistake Uh, no (laughs) reading it first is a mistake Uh, but it does present aslan better in an introductory way yes anyway so yeah uh despite that uh like a lot of things go down i think there's a lot of great character development for peter where he kind of faces fear and actually does something for once uh has a battle the you know the chapter is called peter's first battle why is It, it called a battle it is a one-on-one <sighs> fight with a wolf and a child. <laughs> um, I guess, uh, you know, it's a battle with his inner demons and his fear. Uh, let's put it that way. Uh, what does yeah. a wolf symbolize? Yeah, we're... It's a pack animal. Mm-hmm. He just defeated a pack animal in order to set himself as the high wolf Spain king. I suppose so. I don't... Um, I, I feel like it's bad imagery. <laughs> Possibly. Um... But yeah, there uh, a lot of stuff happens. We get uh, the world fleshed out a bit more. Um, I I do not kind of like that we we've gone into the thing 
where we echo, we're echoing, let's try that word again. We're echoing what happened in The Magician's Nephew, where at a certain point in the book, uh, Polly just stops being a character. And yep. At this point, we were like, Susan and Lucy kind of just stop being characters in this chapter because, like, the you know, they're there and but if Susan they has a blister. Been sent away, and then Susan, Peter wouldn't have had his first battle. And Susan goes up a tree and doesn't say anything, and Lucy's doing. Lucy actually what. ran away like yeah. a smart person instead of running up a tree. Yeah, so Lucy's just like getting further away from See, the main in the plot. movie. In the movie, <laughs> they have Susan standing there shooting arrows at the wolf in order to like give Lucy the chance to run away, mm-hmm. and then running up the tree, which is a much better presentation of these characters as actual action characters that actually do anything. Yeah. Besides run and need saving. But she's not supposed to use that bow. Um, anyway. So It doesn't easily miss, though. So I do. I, so I, why couldn't she just shoot the wolf? <laughs> sorry. Anyway. From up she in the tree. The, the perfect vantage point. Yeah. You know. <laughs> right in its open maw. Yep. You would think that would happen, but yeah. no. No, she's just too busy fainting. <laughs> so I do. I don't like those parts of it. So that's going to take my rating down. Uh, though I'm still going to keep it at let's say 3.75 uncapitalized mythological creatures. I really wanted to go for with this, but like the more I talked about it, the more I realized I hate what they did with half of the characters in the book. Yep. So there you go. Yeah. Where's, where's, where's Mrs. Beaver? (laughs) Where's Mr. Beaver? The Beavers are just gone. Yeah. They got superseded by more important critters. You know, because they were just bringing them on their way. They are the prophets. (laughs) Yeah. Of the Old Testament, leading whoa, whoa. leading these children <laughs> on to Jesus, because you know Aslan's Jesus. We're we're getting we're getting too way too deep this late in the episode. We've got to save it for next one. Anyway, join us next week for uh, Magic at the Dawn of Time. I think it's called. Is chapter thirteen? No, Ma- chapter thirteen is called Deep Magic from the Dawn yeah, okay. of Time. Okay, well, I was close. I was almost there. You do realize I write it down in my notes every time, and you still try to recall it. Good job. (laughs) You could just let me intro the next week's chapter every time. Until then, uh, if you want to contact us, you can do that at Chronically Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. Tweet at us at Chronically Pod on Twitter. Please tweet at us with your request for Kristen to do animal impersonations (laughs) in the next episode. Uh, I really want to hear some of these. Nathan? Uh, and at Chronically, Chron- Nathan, please do. I'll buy you whatever Don't. you want from Taco Bell. Uh, anyway. <laughs> yeah, that's going to work for Nathan. Uh, or email us at chronicallypodcast at gmail.com. Your, your fan art of how Aslan would hold a sword and talk at the same time. Uh, yep. Pull that off. Uh, and until next time. See ya. Cheerio. And don't forget to wipe your sword. We can we can get into some deep philosophy on that. I mean, or not? That's that's <laughs> fine too. Party rock is in the house tonight. Yes, Chris, I'm on the correct microphone. Be quiet, cars. Um. um wow. Uh. <laughs>
That's racist. Um, <laughs> yes, I am racist against bull men. The little robot <sighs> failed me. Unicorn bull headed man thing. Uh, bull with the head of a man, sorry. Man headed bull thing. Well, maybe it was just his fear where he was just like, ah! like, you try to attack me, I'm gonna attack you back, was boy. That, was that a howl? <laughs> and don't forget to wipe your sword. <laughs>